we are glad you're here this morning. We really are. As we were getting ready to leave on the airplane flight a couple of weeks ago to go to California, I realized that I had checked in my luggage the book that I had intended to take with me to read on the plane. And so this little bit of regret came out of my mouth, and my daughter, who was taking us to the airport, said, Hey, I'll buy you a book. I didn't get you a Father's Day present. Well, I had forgotten that, but she said, Let me buy you a book. Let's go to the bookstore. So we went to the airport bookstore, and I picked up one called Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul. Are you familiar with the Chicken Soup series? Uh, this is one that is a, a bestseller. I guess it's the authors of bestsellers. It's not a bestseller yet, if I read it more carefully. But it's got some interesting stories in it. And uh, there's a section here on humor, and one that, that popped out at me and I thought I would read you this morning is collections from bulletins. These are called Holy, Holy Bloopers. And uh, here is an example, and this is, this is the one I want to read to you. It says, During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon when J.F. Stubbs supplied our pulpit. So uh, the reports I have had that you've had some rare privilege here the last three weeks. And I am glad for that. I'm glad for those who ministered God's word in my absence. One of the fun things about vacation is going shopping to find gifts. Notice I limited that. Not going shopping, but going shopping to find gifts. When you have a mission, when you go shopping, not just to go shopping, but you've got to have a purpose for going, and that's one of the fun things about vacation. And uh, we did that. We're at that stage in life, and about the only thing to get kids is T-shirts. You know, they don't want the toys and other things. Oh, I don't like that. So a T-shirt is always welcome. We, we went out to find some T-shirts and brought back some gifts that way. It's a way of saying to the kids uh, and to others that you might want to buy for, I was thinking about you. You're important to me. I want to care for you. This is an expression of my love. Our relationship means something to me. When Jesus returned to heaven, when he arrived back there glorious and victorious as the conqueror of sin and death, he sent us gifts. Because he wants us to know that he loves us. That we're important to him. That we have a relationship that is precious to him as it is to us. In Ephesians chapter 4 it says, But to each one of us, each one of us, grace is given. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high... He led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Paul writes in Ephesians to say that when Jesus returned to heaven, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And he talks about that in Ephesians 4, but he also talks about it here in our text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I invite you to open your Bible there. The gifts which Christ gave were delivered by the Holy Spirit. Unlike UPS, the Holy Spirit never goes on strike. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit brought the gifts that Jesus gave 
on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, the gifts that Jesus sent are referred to as the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. You follow along in your copy of the Bible, if you will. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. <clears throat> there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Paul says to the Corinthians, he wants to talk to them about the spiritual things. The word here is pneumatica. It's the word for spirit, and it, it means the, the people of the spirit or the things of the spirit. In this particular context, it's pretty clear that it's the things of the spirit that he wants to talk about. He defines this more closely in verse 4, where he refers to these things of the Spirit as the charismatum, the gifts of the Spirit. We get our word charismatic from this word. The charisma, the charismata of the Spirit. <clears throat> it is the grace gifts, that is, the gifts that are given freely by God charismatic gifts. Not in the narrow sense that the word is used today, because all of the spiritual gifts are charismatic gifts. These grace gifts are not natural abilities. We are born with those. And they come to us however they come, genetically or whatever. And some people are able to play the piano, and some people are able to write, and some people are able to be athletic and there are all kinds of natural abilities that we have by our natural birth. But when we have our supernatural birth, when we are born again into God's family, we receive supernatural abilities, spiritual gifts. <clears throat> the Corinthians were richly blessed by God in spiritual gifts. Back in chapter 1, you may remember these words. Paul says to them, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus that, and here he, here's what he gives thanks for, that in everything you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, 
so that you are not lacking any charismata, any gift, any grace gift. Paul says to the Corinthians, God has lavished his grace gifts upon you as a church. And God always does. But the generosity of the giver does not guarantee the goodness of the recipients. These gifts that God gives that are intended for good and to bless can be misused by God's people. And thus the gifts become problems. And that was the case with Corinth. And so Paul begins a new section of this epistle, actually, to address this troubling issue of the things of the Spirit. For the Corinthians were abusing what God had given to them to bless them. And what he says here in this text that we've read is that the Holy Spirit is God. And he is a gift giver, as are the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is God, as the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is a gift giver, just as the Father and the Son. My appeal this morning to you is that you join me in seeking to discover and to enjoy your personal significance in the gifts that God has given you. Did you hear what I said? Your personal significance is wrapped up in those gifts of the Spirit that he has given you. My goal today is that you grasp the crucial insights about the gifts that are needed and that then you commit yourself to discover those gifts and enjoy knowing the place and the purpose that God has for you in your life. God is a gracious benefactor, freely giving to us in Christ what we do not deserve, what we could not earn. While his gifts are free to us, all of his gifts are very costly to God. The gifts that we have received from the Holy Spirit are gifts that were purchased by the death of God's Son on the cross. That's how costly these gifts are. So let's treasure them. Let's seek to discover them and to enjoy them as God intends for us to do. Now, there are two gifts of the Spirit as I want to look at this text this morning. The first gift of the Spirit is the gift of salvation, which is suggested in verses 2 and 3. The gift of salvation. He brings this gift of salvation, that is, the Spirit brings this gift of salvation, by revealing Christ to our ignorant minds and our rebellious hearts. Notice that he describes us first before conversion, before conversion. Our state then was basically that we were ignorant slaves. He says that we were pagans. Some translations say Gentiles. The Greek word is ethne. It means we were the nations the nations. 
That is a word to describe the people groups of the world. We sometimes use that term in missiology today to talk about the unreached people groups, the unreached nations or ethne of the world. But what Paul reminds us here is that we, before our conversion, were a part of an unreached ethne. We were pagans. The Hebrew idea here would be wrapped up in the Hebrew word goyim, which means those who are foreigners to Israel and its covenant relationship with God. Basically, the word means that we are separated from God in our natural state. And so before we were converted, we were separated from God. We were pagans. We were the ethne. We were the nations, and we had no relationship with God. In addition to that, he says, we were led. We were led along. Now, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, for example, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will lead along those who have fallen in sleep. He will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That's a wonderful thing. It is that God will bring back those who have departed this world and are with Christ. He's go Jesus is going to lead them along back to the earth for this wonderful event that we call the rapture. And their bodies will be raised gloriously from the grave and they will be reunited, soul and body, forever. But here the word lead along is in a bad sense. He goes on to define it a little more by, by saying that we were led. It looks like the same word, but it's a little different. Here it means we were led away. We were carried away. It is a word that was used of Jesus when he was carried away to be crucified. What he is saying here is that we were once separated from God. We were being led along. We were being carried away. From God. Now, if you are an English student, which all of us ought to be since we live in America, you will notice that both of those verbs are passive. You were led. You were led. And the question is, by whom? And although Paul doesn't answer that directly in this text, the New Testament answers it clearly. We were being led along and carried away by Satan. Satan is the originator of all religions except biblical revelation. Satan is the originator of all religions except biblical revelation, biblically revealed religion, biblical Christianity. He doesn't care what the religion entails, necessarily, as long as it leads people along and carries them away from God and they remain ignorant in their slavery. They remain ethne. They remain the nations and don't come to Jesus Christ for salvation. That's what it was like before. But the Holy Spirit brought a gift. 
He enlightened us. And now with conversion, instead of being ignorant slaves, we have become enlightened servants. This is the gracious working of God's Spirit to enlighten our darkened minds that we might see who Jesus Christ is. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that leads us to repent so that our stubborn, rebellious will is broken and we bow the knee and yield ourselves to Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior into our lives. That's the work of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. And now that we have become enlightened servants, we call on Jesus as Lord. No one who is enlightened by the Spirit of God is going to say the words, Jesus is accursed, with any meaning. Likewise, no one is able to call Jesus his Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you call upon Jesus Christ as Lord with meaning in your heart, it is because of the gift of God, the work of the Holy Spirit bringing you to that point. Have you come to that place in your own spiritual journey where you have received Jesus Christ? Have you allowed your stubborn will to be broken and yielded yourself to Christ? Are you enjoying the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is salvation, so that you today can truly call Jesus My God. I hope you have. If not, you can do it today. You don't have to wait for some mystical moment. You don't have to wait until you get into some particular position or place. You can do it seated right where you are simply by saying in your own heart, Lord Jesus, come in. I receive you. I know who you are. I yield my life to you. I know you died for me and rose again. Oh God, thank you for showing that to me. And the gift is yours. The Holy Spirit constantly works then to complete the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the believer's life. He is faithful to keep bringing to the surface those issues which we have not yet faced, in which Jesus is not yet Lord of our lives. You know, we come to points of, of deep commitment and surrender, as some of you men have done at Promise Keepers just a, a week ago. And we give ourselves to God in a new way, and we think, wow, I've just given everything to the Lord. And, and we have as much as we can at that point, as much as we realize, and yet the Lord knows that there are whole rooms, whole wings of our hearts that have yet to be confronted with Christ's Lordship. And he's faithful just to keep bringing us into new rooms, new areas where we need to surrender. It's a wonderful work of the Spirit, bringing us under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
The Holy Spirit never leads anyone to depreciate the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, He, the Spirit, shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and disclose it to you. In other words, Jesus said, The work of the Spirit is to reveal me continually to you, my disciples. The Holy Spirit never puts the spotlight on himself. The Holy Spirit never seeks to put himself into the center of things. The Holy Spirit always defers to the Lord Jesus, leading us to him, bringing us to him, that we might know him in new and deeper ways and yield to his lordship in fresh areas of our lives. That's the work of the Spirit. That's the gift of salvation. But in verses 4 through 11, there is another way in which we think of the gifts, and that is the gifts for service. We are called into the body of Jesus Christ to become givers, not merely takers. The opportunity that we have to serve God and man through Christ's community in the world, the church, is a privilege. God calls all of us to be ministers or servants. And so he gives gifts for service. Now there's a wonderful plan of the Trinity for your service. Paul talks about it in verses 4 through 6. Each member of the, the triune Godhead has a part in giving you the privilege of service. He says in verse 4 that the Holy Spirit endows us with gifts. Now these are these Enablements, these uh, abilities that God gives us at our new birth. These are spirit-created abilities to function within the body according to Christ's will. Then he says that Christ provides the ministries, verse 5. That is, Christ provides the opportunities. The Holy Spirit gives us the abilities to use... Christ then brings us the ministries, the ways in which we can use the gifts. And he says that God, meaning here in this context the Father, works out the effects. Verse 6. That is, the Father is the one who determines the results, the outworkings of what we do in the ministry by the gifts which the Holy Spirit has given us. Do you see how they connect? The Spirit gives us the gifts. The Lord Jesus gives us the opportunities to use the gifts. And the Father determines the effects, the results of what we do. The gifts for service. It takes all the pressure off when we realize that our service for the Lord really is only the, the use of gifts he's given us in places where he opens the doors and then he determines the results. All we have to do is use the gifts in the power of the Spirit. And we leave the rest with God. I want you to notice, too, the varieties that are mentioned here. Three times, varieties, varieties, varieties. Notice here the creativity of God. The variety which God provides for within his body. 
God's plan is that we not be alike. And yet how often do you see Christians who are trying to get other Christians to be just like them? I have a friend who has a gift of evangelism. The way that God uses him in evangelism is just, it blows my mind. But I have a little bit of a problem with him, and the problem is that he thinks everybody ought to be able to do exactly what he does the way he does it. He thinks everybody should be able to witness as freely as he does, and with the same results. That is not what this text says. There is variety in the body of Christ. Now, all of us have the responsibility to witness, but some of us are gifted in this special way as he is, and the Lord determines the results. Allow for variety in the body, folks. We don't all have to look and smell alike. We don't all have to think alike. We don't all have to see things the same way. To me, that's one of the exciting things about what we're doing on September 14th in creating this new uh, contemporary service. There are those of us who, who think differently about worship and who see it differently and who respond differently. We're providing for that variety in the body of Christ. There are varieties, he says. So let's rejoice in the varieties that God gives. And if you see someone who's, who's different than you are, rejoice in that, that they are, that they're not like you. You're you. And there's nobody like you, and nobody can be. So rejoice in the varieties of God. Now, in verses 7 through 11, he gives us some insights about the gifts of the Spirit that we need to look at quickly. First of all, I want you to notice that these gifts of the Spirit are given to every believer. There's not an exception to that. Every single believer has the abilities that the Spirit gives him. Secondly, they are given for the common good. Verse 7 talks about that. The gifts of the Spirit are given for the good of the body. They are not primarily given for self-edification. Now that is very important, especially as we get into chapter 14 and talk about the abuse of the gift of tongues. Tongues is not given for me to be edified in a prayer closet. That was not the purpose of tongues. Never has been. All of the gifts are given for the good of the body as a whole. The common good. And the third insight is this, that they are, they are given as the Spirit chooses. Verse 11 talks about that. To each one individually, just as he wills. You can skip ahead uh, into the sermon for next week in verse 18. It says, just as he desired. And so it is the Lord himself who determines what gifts you have. You don't choose them. Now that goes contrary to some teaching today that says that there are gifts that we ought to ask for, that we ought to strive for and pray for. Friend, if you don't have a certain gift, be satisfied with that. Because God has given you what he wants you to have. Now, let me say this. There may be gifts inside of you you've not discovered yet. 
And we're going to close talking about discovering gifts. So don't think that you're sitting here today at, at 16 years of age or 26 year of, years of age and you know all your spiritual gifts. There are even older people that perhaps haven't yet discovered all of the gifts that God's given. But we're not to pray for gifts. Oh, but somebody says, doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible, covet earnestly the best gifts? Yep. In fact, it says that in Corinthians at the end of this chapter. But what it's saying there is to the body, to the church. You as a church, instead of emphasizing these lesser gifts, he says, desire and seek after the greater gifts. He is not talking to individuals to pray for certain spiritual gifts. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit gives those just as he pleases. Okay. Well, then how do I discover my gift package? By the way, notice my phrase there, the gift package. Let me back up and say that there are three encouragements about the gifts of the Spirit that I want to give you before I talk about that. First of all, the first encouragement is this. The fact that you have gifts is evidence that you are important to God. It's evidence that Jesus loves you while he's away. That's why he's given you the gifts. That's why you bring gifts. That's why you send gifts to people. Jesus loves you, and you are important to him, and that's why he has given you your gifts. Secondly, your gifts are intended to make you a blessing to others. God wants to use you to bless others. That's wonderful, isn't it? And third, your gifts are within, waiting to be discovered and developed. Your gifts are personalized in what I call a gift package. I think that, that we can rightly speak of our gift that God has given us. But within that gift are blendings of various gifts that God gives us. So that we each have a gift package. And when we open that package, we begin to discover how God has blended within us and, and shaped within us the gifts that he wants us to use. All of these are molded to the unique person that God has made us to be. God knows your personality. He knows everything about you. And so he has given you spiritual gifts that align with who you are. We say, how do I discover my spiritual package? You don't have to scratch your head or ponder about that very long because there's an, there are some easy suggestions to you as to how to discover your gift package. First of all, receive the gift, capital G. Receive the gift. The gift of salvation. Because that gift, when you receive that gift, it brings this gift package to you. Until you receive that gift, you're without this gift package. But with the gift of salvation comes this gift package of spiritual enablements. So receive the gift. Secondly, follow your heart. Look at your interests. What are the inclinations that you have? That helps you determine how God has gifted you. Third, begin serving somewhere. Don't wait until you think you've discovered your gifts before you serve. The greatest way in the world to discover your gifts is to begin serving somewhere. 
It doesn't matter where. Wherever there's an opportunity, and if you look in your bulletin today, you see scads of opportunities. We have those not only in children's ministry, but in other ways, and especially as we add another service period on Sunday morning. There are lots of ways for you to begin serving. And if you want to discover your spiritual gifts, just plug in and begin serving. Now, you may find within a few weeks, hey, this isn't for me. And you see, that's part of the process. We learn by doing. And so as you perform some function, you will see your gift either rising to the surface or you're going to be turned away from it. Number four, look for fruit and fulfillment. As you are serving the Lord according to your giftedness, there are two things that should happen. Number one, you should see eventually some kind of fruit coming from that. Some kind of results that the Father will work in your life. The effects that he brings. And secondly, you should find some satisfaction and fulfillment in your own heart. You should begin to say to yourself, you know, this, this is what I'm made for. This fits me. This is who I am. And it's a wonderful discovery. And number five, seek godly counsel. Those who know you and understand you, who are believers, seek their counsel and say, what do you think about this? Or do I have that ability? Or do you see me functioning in this way? And see what they say. But as I close, I want to bring to you a warning. You need to be very careful because God's gifts are meant to be used, not wasted. Do you hear what I said? God has given you gifts to be used, not wasted. They are yours to bless others and to gain for yourself heavenly reward. God has given you your gifts so that you can bless others. And in doing that, you will gain for yourself reward in heaven. God has given you your gifts to be used, not played with, and not wasted. Don't take the gift and then neglect the gifts of the Spirit. Don't take the gift of salvation and then ignore that gift package that God has sovereignly placed in you. But rather discover your spiritual gifts and enjoy learning about your life's significance. The story is told by Gary Enrig in his book, A Call to Excellence, that illustrates that it's not only enough to have ability, you have to have dedication as well. He tells about a a man who was um, a great artist by the name of Bertoldo. Now, you probably have never heard of him, but Bertoldo was one of the trainers of Michelangelo. Michelangelo, most of you have heard of because of his great works. But when he was only 14 years old, Michelangelo came to this great artist who immediately saw the enormous gifts of the young man, and he began to work with him and to train him and to help fashion and form his art and to bring out what was inside of him. 
One day Bertoldo came into his studio and he saw Michelangelo working on a piece of art that was far below his abilities, far below what he could do. And so Bertoldo picked up a hammer, walked across the studio and smashed the piece that Michelangelo was working on. And he said to him, Michelangelo, talk is cheap. Dedication is costly. You know, that applies to the Christian experience, too, in our service for Christ. Talk is cheap. It is not enough to say that we have gifts. We have to dedicate ourselves to using them. And so my appeal this morning to all of us is to use the gifts that God has given us. And if we don't have a clue as to what they are, to begin discovering them in the ways that we've suggested. And to enjoy the significance and the purpose in life that God intends for us to experience. And if we do that, if we do that, then one day when we get to heaven, we'll hear his commendation. Well done. Let's pray. Have you received the gift? of salvation, friend? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord? Truly as Lord. Have you received him into your heart, believing that his death and resurrection was sufficient to pay the price for your sins? If not, will you receive that gift this morning? Trust on him and invite him to come into your life right now by faith. And if you have received the gift, recognize that there is within you a gift package of spiritual gifts that God has given you to be used. Will you say in your heart this morning, God, I will serve you according to your spiritual gifts. I choose to open the package and discover what you've given me to be used. And I dedicate myself to serving you in this way in the body of Christ. Dear Christian friend, that's what God wants of you this morning. And if that's a fresh commitment in your life, if that's something that God has laid in your heart this morning, anew and afresh, I just invite you to lift your hand and say so. Say, that's where I'm at, and that's what I purpose to do by the grace of God. Yes, God bless you. God bless you, half a dozen of you. I know many of you have already are already right now living in that commitment. I thank God for that. But anyone else who would say, this is a fresh commitment for me in my life. Yes, thank you. Well, Lord, we, we do offer our thanks to you for the gifts of the Spirit. We bless you for them. Thank you for showing us how much you love us. How precious our relationship is to you by the giving of this gift. And this morning as we respond to you from our hearts... 
we give ourselves afresh in dedication and commitment. And we ask you to take all that we are and fill us with your spirit and use us as you have purposed us to be used. In Jesus' name, amen.